Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. dog i'm so pleased she, I know. she's well, been out in the rain so she like she's had a perm um the other sisters the two sisters have had haircuts so they look like rats now am i gonna have to get dogs so that i can get to talk more yeah is no, that totally. the thing go on why well, i don't get that because you basically do is get comfy you're like right okay no. welcome to i wish i was an only child with me rachel mason and me kathy mason where we speak to other siblings about the dynamic of their relationship to see where we're going wrong today our guests are director actor writer simon evans and his sister lucy eaton who's a producer actor and podcaster your parents were dentists that's right mm. so you got and was it just the two of you mm-hmm. just two any any other just siblings the two just the two of, of you. us yes Who's, just the two of us two of us who was Simon, are you older? What's the age difference? Bless you for asking. Yes, I am. I'm four years. I'm four years older. Oh, four, four years, years older. Okay, that was really hard. There you we go. couldn't find that out. I no, always love it when people ask which of us is older. It fills my heart with joy. I <laughs> yeah. Feel like I'm and it really real offends just... Lucy. So come yes, on. I, yeah, I just think I'm they. Winning, I think I they see the ways. beard and they're confused. Yes. I think when they see a beard, they're like, "Is this a trick? Is this like a double bluff? Is he actually a baby underneath it?" So then yeah. they don't know. You also have a maturity, which I've yet to. Thank you so much. Which I've yet to to grasp at. <laughs> Thank you. I try my best. So, when you were kids, were you really close? Tell us about your childhood. Yeah, we were. Yeah, I know we it's were, so boring. We? we just <laughs> Come on. we thought we were really awesome. Um, I think it's funny when you said the age difference. I've always said I think four years was a very good age difference that if I am lucky enough to have kids in my life I'm probably not going to be able to do because I'll be a bit later in life and maybe won't want to wait around um but it was such a good age difference because from what I understand I mean I can't believe there were four years where you existed without me Simon but Mm. from what I understand it was like when I came along yeah the dark times um you know it's like you're old enough to be like oh a younger sibling this is fun and cool it's not taking attention away from me it's like a new toy yeah so, yeah. and that's sort of how you treated it, wasn't it, Simon? You wanted to like put me in a basket on the bike and give me your wellies yeah. and stuff. I was, was just very huge, I was hugely excited. 
yeah, it was hugely so exciting. So you remember have... it? You, you remember her it was, coming? I, I, I remember it being a positive experience. I remember being yeah. sort of, oh, there's someone new coming along and I'm going to, you know, and this is cool. And I've got, I've got my parents and here comes this new little thing. And my parents were very good at sort of saying, yeah, your job will be to look after her a little bit as well. And absolutely, there's, there's the allegory that I said, let's put a basket on the front of my bike so I can take her off on, on adventures. Oh. Uh, a, thing, a thing which my parents sensibly did not, did not grant. <laughs> did not allow. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we got on. We got on really well. I mean, there were very few. I mean, you're you're stubborn at times, very stubborn. and there was there very was a stubborn. moment where you put your hands over your ears and screamed at me, which I think I was about, about about as close to a proper an raging argument. argument and you shouted back at me, and that was the only yeah. time I can picture it. It was outside our parents' dental practice, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And what yeah. was what what was the cause of the? Right, right. I, I, I mean, it's hardly a row. You put your hands over your ears and. But that, yes, I, mean, I it, was just it, a difficult. It didn't start toddler. there. Yeah, it right. escalated to there. I think it was probably about nothing <laughs> at all. But she was refusing to engage in the Socratic dialogue that I was hoping I would be having with my <laughs> younger sister at this point, and so she just covered her ears and screamed at me. And I and I found that refusal to continue the conversation so frustrating that I just screamed back. So but that is the only row you have had. They both I think remember so. it very clearly. Whereas yeah. so many siblings we talk to, they have very different perspectives on it. You know, oh, well, was that the row? Well, I don't remember it like that. Da da da. But y- you got oh, on no. so well. That's, That's so funny because we also haven't talked about that. I don't know when the last time was we mentioned that. So that is quite interesting that we both remember that so clearly. Um, yes. I feel like That's since the they're not rows, but like I think we're very fiercely protective of each other as adults now. So there have been like stern conversations. <laughs> Mm-hmm. now but they are normally about like look after yourself or like stand up for yourself or you know why are you letting people push you around or like yeah. you know it's a lot more yeah. motivational speak turn aggression if yeah. that makes so if have that's you been like that with uh with each other's partners so when you've had relationships have you been very judgmental of the other person's oh well, we're getting Not, well, fast great forward. question this is, this is a great <laughs> question. no i need um, to know what were you well, gonna say lucy's Simon? Well, I, w- I was going to say, I was going to actually speak exactly to that. There was a time I remember when there was a girl who I had been dating for a while who Lucy was not a supporter of uh, in in many ways. And that had Lucy, ended. why? Why? Um, to be fair, I feel like I gave her more of a chance than our parents did. I was like quite understanding for a bit longer. And then she just, it was, it was toxic. It was, she's not a, she's not a bad person, but like, she was the worst version of herself for Simon. And Simon, right. you'll probably say that you were the worst version of yourself for her. Um, but she was, it got to a point where I was like, you're just being cruel now. You are a toxic person or you have become a toxic person and you seem to be so hurt that you're entirely committed to bringing my brother down as well. You know, like making wow. him feel, yeah. and I yeah. will not stand for that. <laughs> um, wow. And I think I had to, Sort of. Well, it was an awful thing where she was almost trying to get me on side. Do you remember that? It was a right. weird, you know, she'd sort of been quite distant. And suddenly when stuff was going badly between you two, she wanted to, like, text me and tell me everything you'd done wrong in your relationship. And I just thought, look, you're wrong crowd, wrong crowd. Mm. Um, yeah. But And how yes, did that, that was... feel for you, Simon? Did you feel angry with Lucy? No, I, I find it difficult to get angry with her because she's she's usually <laughs> right, um, which is frustrating. Yes. <laughs> um, 
Wow. I mean, that, that, that was, that was, a, I mean, but, but the, the thing I remember of all of that actually was, was that that relationship had ended and then I'd started talking to her again. And I remember being at a comedy night or something with you, Sprog, and you, yeah. you sort of saw that she'd been texting me or something. Yeah. And uh, to, get a, to get a stern word from Lucy at that point going, are you spending time with her again? You shouldn't really. Was, you was about was about as about as about as 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 cold a shower as I could have hoped for. You know what I think is um, quite lovely is that the Simon's incredible girlfriend, who he is now with, is actually a childhood friend of mine, and I feel like I've had that moment for her as well, where she's been with a toxic person, and actually with her, I remember being sat at lunch with her in like a lovely little brunch spot in Victoria. And she just revealed that she was talking again to this toxic person. And I burst into tears. And I think for her, that was quite an eye-opener, which maybe is what, what happened with you, Simon, where where a person suddenly realises that yeah. the pain they're inflicting on... It's a, it's a kind of yeah. self-harm, isn't it? Like, when you mm-hmm. keep going back to a person that treats you badly and that makes you the worst version of yourself, it's a kind of self-harm. And I think you can get so absorbed in your own excuses is a harsh term you know your own rationale for why you're doing it and when you suddenly see someone on the outside who really cares about you and see just how distressed they are at what you're putting yourself through I think it can Mm. snap you out of something and I know it did a bit for Helen so I love that Simon and Helen are together now because they're just wonderful you must have the magic touch because most people rebel against that kind of uh well, um, yes, rationality. When, you, yeah. Yeah. when you used to talk to about an ex-boyfriend of mine, I used to think, I don't want to hear it. She's not right, mm-hmm. you know. And then you were proven to be absolutely right, which was. <laughs> but you, you know, Simon is more balanced but, than you. But <laughs> anyway, this isn't about us. But yes. Um, but I want to hear about on. this guy now. That's that's. Yeah, yeah I know. Oh, tell oh, us more. Oh, tell really us more. Unusual, unusual. Mm. Oh, I was really interested that in that in terms of so Helen, who I guess now you're the fact that Lucy, you have I think that's lovely. The fact Mm. that you you are that what's I'm looking for a word. Insightful. Yes. Insightful. Yes. But Simon, how about about you with Lucy's partners? Have you been (laughs) as judgmental? (laughs) Lucy, Lucy has been uh, historically much more selective in the people that she that she that she dates i i have i have uh, i have dated more people than lucy has so so i've not needed to be a voice of dissension at any point and in fact ironically the 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 wonderful man that she's now married to the advice i gave to her the day before she met him was you're not just going to meet mr wright he's not just going to come knocking at your door you've got to make some effort and then the next day he literally (laughs) knocked at her front door um, as he was coming to view the flat yeah. that she was living in at the time, so, no. so that's, that's so how that's you so, that's how they met. So my advice was, yeah. you can't sit here waiting for him. And then the next yeah. day, my advice was proved wrong. So I'm in no way placed to give advice on anything <laughs> romantic. But but I know this is a very No, 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 gone. No, gone. No, Simon. Simon, go. Well, I was I was I was going to say that I feel like Lucy and I in in, in the game of. Of, of advice and who is the sort of sounding board have, have sort of we, we are there for each other I'm certainly there for Lucy in certain personal matters but I feel like I've become the sort of yeah the the career and the sort of yeah value yourself a bit more go after the things you want a bit more make things happen a bit more because that sort of four years that I had here in London and at university and everything before you got there was was one mm. of of a lot of graft and so yeah while mm. Lucy's absolutely been there to go yeah, these people you shouldn't hang out with. I'm the one going, yeah, yeah. but 
let me be your sounding board for this thing as well. Yeah. Lucy. Yeah. Will you yeah. be my sister? Yes, <laughs> I am. I'm happy to be a sister for hire. I so if Lucy we rewind, did you did you go to the same schools? We you... did. We went we went to the same we went to the same primary school, although of course, yeah, four years different. Then I went to an all boys school and she went to an all girls school that was just down the road from it. Right. So they were both close. And then I went to university and she went to the same. Um right. and so yeah, we yeah. Well, so, well, well, I think the truth is she just followed, really. I just sort of went so ahead when I'm having an absolute... university? Yeah. We didn't overlap, though, did we? Did you live together? No, we've never lived oh, together. Okay. We've never but lived you've together. got shared friends. That's what you. That's what I was picking up on in terms of over the years, because we share friends. Mm. We're, we're yeah. moving the same cycle. And obviously we work together. We've ended up working together. So how did... Mm. Yeah, how, how did that come about? You've both, in, in terms of being we in the same industry. I think actually our friends have only recently started crossing over. And even then, most of them are either Simon's friends or my friends, but that we both have a huge love and fondness for. Mm -hmm. Do you say that's right, Simon? Yeah, absolutely. Like there's a couple of people that are right in the middle, but very few. Yeah. I mean, Lucy, Lucy and Tris got married when about a month ago. And, mm -hmm. and it, was, it was lovely that there were sort of what? five or six of people who were my friends who were people I had met mm. first but that oh, you had got lovely. close enough to to go we want you mm. we want you there at the wedding and similarly if that day came for me there would absolutely be friends of Lucy's who I would go yeah you should you should you should be there you as well be that we've become close yeah. enough yeah. and then and again but despite the the age difference because I think so highly of of Sprague there's never been a problem of going why don't you just come and hang out this thing that I'm doing and just sort of oh yeah you know I've yeah, got to yeah, say, yeah. Lucy, if you're if if Simon's calling you Sprog, what is your nickname for Simon? Do you have a nickname oh, for him? I get mocked. It's only really Simey, which I get. I do get not I get mocked for, but I feel like it, it's a bit like you with Sprog. Every now and then, in a professional context, because we've worked together quite a lot, I'll say Simey. And is it Ben Stone's Simon? One of your one of the designers that Simon, incredible theatre designer that Simon works with a lot. I think he finds it very funny, and he'll start then calling Simon Simey. Um, mm -hmm. But no, I tend to just say Simey or Bro. Okay. Sprog is much okay, cuter. So... I never came up with a cute yeah. nickname for Simon. I love no. that. I love but it is that. it is Sprog difficult is when we're working together to try and get that out of my brain and to have. Oh, to sort of and go when you call me Lucy, it's quite sort of how dare you? Mm. You know, it's quite. A, yeah. It's almost feels like a bit of a slap across the face. You're like, um, Lucy. And I sort of find myself looking around being like, Lucy, is there a Lucy here? I don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, you mean me. Um, yes, that's quite odd. Working together, how did that come about? How, how... Hmm. Well, so to begin with, to begin with, it was... So when I first moved to London, it took me a little while to sort of go, OK, how do you put on plays? How do you do this thing? How does the, how does the system work? And to sort of have raised enough money to put on the first show and to take some things to Edinburgh. Lucy was still at mm. Cambridge then, and I, I decided to take some shows up to Edinburgh, and I used some of the people I knew from a sort from the years below me at Cambridge when I was in my third year and people in second or first and Lucy was there so I sort of went I've got a gang of people let's all go up and Lucy came along I think that was the first time I sort of yeah that might have been the I first guess I, I sort of directed, directed you and it was a sort of university thing then after that when she moved to London as well and I was putting on plays in pub theatres it was always sort of do you want to come and be a part of this there's a fun group of people and you're good and let's do that then there was probably mm. quite a gap when I was being an assistant. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, you know, you, when I was an assistant director at the old Vic, Jamie Lloyd, who I was assisting, said, oh, yeah. do you know anybody who might like to play this sort of small maid character and understudy something else? And I went, if it's a maid, my sister can do it. She's pretty good. Um, and then she can under, and then she understudied the most sexualised role in the... 
Yeah, I was about to say, because I remember, that's that's an awful tale. I remember, first of all, you ringing me up and saying, would you play a role in the Duchess of Malfi at the Old Vic if it was non-speaking? And I was like, obviously, like I was just about to graduate from drama school and I was like, oh, 100%, it's the Old Vic. You know, I don't care if it's non-speaking. Yeah, I want to be in it. And so then you obviously suggested me as the understudy and I went and auditioned and ended up getting that. And as Simon mentioned, one of the main roles I understudied ended up being, I mean, she is quite a sexualized character in the script anyway, but I feel like in our production, we really, Jamie Lloyd really ramped up, you know, like she had a scene where the scene began with her being pushed on, on a bed, climaxing. And then there was some other moment where someone to try and get news out of her, someone went down on her. Is that right? I mean, just there was a lot of really sexual stuff put in there. And it came to the point where the assistant director has to direct the understudies. So we had this awful rehearsal day where I think, Simon, you almost made an announcement at the beginning to the room. You were like, "Okay, everyone, this is going to be weird. So let's just do it. Let's do it very quickly. And let's just, you know... We don't need to run this one a million times. And I can remember a moment where one of the actors, was it the scene where the guy playing Bossola was doing the bit where he had his hand up my skirt or something and and was doing a whole, you know, mime. It's like the hand is literally resting on my thigh, but we're we're acting. And then he suddenly stopped to ask Simon a question. He was like, oh, at this point. And I remember Simon going, can we just get to the end of this moment, please? And then you can ask the question. Um, So I think that's probably the most awkward scenario in which we've worked together. I'm sort of fascinated by, is there any areas, because you're so close, that you would never go to with each other? So with me and Rach, it's sex. That would, we are closer than you could believe, but that is a no-go area. We don't talk about that. I think that's, that's I mean, I, I don't think that has been a conscious thing, but that is a subject which we have not discussed. Lucy mm, and I, mm. you know, outside of a yeah. rehearsal room and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's fairly not taboo. Right. Just yeah. yeah, that's sort of not not a part of it. I think partly as well because, like, well, I think the thing about sex is that we're you're slightly when you have a close siblingly relationship. Sometimes it's like a part of you, and actually our partners talk about this a little bit. That a part of us like reverts to being like the child versions of yourself mm. with each other. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of it is sort of we're hugely supportive. We can obviously be very mature and talk about adult things now. But there's mm. an element of like sex is not a thing I'd go to Simon to talk about. It's like yeah. because yeah. he's my big brother. And a part of me reverts to being like a little nine year old girl again. And, you know, mm-hmm. I want to uh, ask him about other things. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's just there's there's other people I'd go to. Also, mm. this is maybe a very reductive thought, but also the difference in gender because I'm a woman yeah, totally. and he's a man. Mm-hmm. I think there's an element of like a lot of the stuff I would talk about. Obviously sometimes it would be very helpful to talk to a man about it, but actually a lot totally. of the time if I'm, if I want to have a conversation about sex with someone or a sex issue, I would want to talk to one of my girlfriends and maybe that's quite reductive. Maybe that's not very that helpful. Weird, actually. There's also a thing, I mean, I'm, I'm aware of this with, if, if anybody has spoken to me about, about sex, I'm sort of, I, I want there to be a boundary between my knowledge of their partner as well yeah, yeah yes. I, I sort of, totally. I sort of and, and totally anything right. any any honesty we want to have in this conversation i feel like it needs to be about you and not have an impact mm. on 
what I think yeah, about them. Exactly. And I think we've probably both got into a stage yeah. now where we go, well, we know each other's partners very well. Mm. So this is probably yeah. not the mm. not the forum in which yeah. to go, let's bring your energy into this. Well, <laughs> yes. Let's see, what, <laughs> let's see what that does to the stew. But if, yeah. you're, if either of you are having a tricky situation, I'm not talking about sexually, I'm talking about just generally, mm. is the other the first person you'll turn to? Because I think we would turn to each other before our partners. Oh. That's a good question. You are one of the first people. I don't think it's as yeah. obvious as, you know, I think there's certain, it definitely depends on what the issue is because there's an element of there are certain friends that maybe I've gone into in depth about an issue in the past a lot which means that if that comes up again that's the person I'm immediately going to go oh I'm struggling with this but you're definitely one of the first people mm -hmm. I would let know if I'm struggling with something yeah yeah and I mean this this year has been difficult for everybody hasn't it and I think mm. being being in each other's proximity for quite a lot of it has been an absolute saving grace at places mm. I certainly for me I, I feel for you as well there have been points where you know, mm. I, I can I can tell that Lucy's on the cusp of some sort of a, <laughs> a nervous collapse. You know, <laughs> as okay. as as she has as she has lived through living with parents and fiance and buying house and wedding yeah. plans yes. and just yeah. just occasionally yeah. going, hey, why don't you and I just go for a walk now? Why don't we right. just have a little little chat? I think oh, we're, I mean, we're both there was... very good at. So, I mean, Lucy, Lucy's miraculous at knowing when I'm afraid sometimes even before I quite realised it myself. And what do you do, Lucy? How do you deal with that if you think he's Ooh, going under? That's lovely if you think I I pick up on it, Simon. I think, like, I guess it's just trying to get him to talk. Is mm. that what I do? I feel like I'd be like, yeah. what's up? What's going on? Or, like, mm -hmm. you need to get some more sleep. Or, you know, have you been drinking enough water? Are you hydrated? Like, I feel like mm -hmm. it's more just that I would start keeping a beady eye on you a bit more yeah. or pestering mm. you or getting you to talk about something. But absolutely, there was a moment this year when, um, without going into the nitty gritty of it, I remember having an absolute meltdown in mm. my bedroom here and having that moment where I knew that Simon was in the house and I almost didn't have the energy to call for him. But I remember thinking, I need my brother. And I was mm. just like having a bit of a cry. And you obviously heard it <laughs> and you came running in. I remember being so grateful because I, it was exactly what my brain was thinking. I just need, I need, I need my brother Aww. to come in here and give me a cuddle. And yeah. thankfully you heard the, <laughs> you heard the, um, the wails of despair um, in that particular <laughs> very frantic moment and came running in. And I was, you know, I, eternally grateful as always but yes I think I think we're both pretty good at it's it's harder when you're like living your lives in London and we live very near to each other in London like we're both in Fulham mm. um but you know it is hard it's very easy sometimes to just drop off the radar for for us it's probably never more than like a few days but a lot can happen in a few days and you mm. sort of don't know that someone's been going through all this stuff and you know it's always lovely when we're working together and it's nice when we are in each other's proximity on a more regular basis, and I can really yeah. keep an eye on you then. Um, <laughs> like when we did Joe. Very motherly with him. You're very motherly with him, aren't you? Well, it's really a little sweet, bit, aren't I? Yeah. Well, I think they're both yeah. fiercely protective yeah. of each other. Yeah, I, I yeah. Think, I, honestly, I think I think this is why there is sometimes some question about who is older. 
because I think I think <laughs> there are different times where one of the other of us is just looking after the other, and depending on when you mm. meet us. Yeah. You'll sort of go, oh, well, Lucy's and clearly the older because she's, she's, she's all big sister energy and sort of motherly. She's just like, oh, <laughs> little brother. And there's other points where you go, oh, gosh, she's a mess. Thank God she's got an older brother. <laughs> yes. That's and that so makes sense. Yeah. depends on the scenario. But in terms of, you know how you said you revert back? Because we have, mm. we revert back to our childhood roles. Uh, mm. 24-7. And it, it's not always useful yeah. in work context. So, <laughs> y- you know, that... But you manage, you, that's under control. Do you know what I mean? It, it's not a problem. Oh, yeah. Because you I obviously work really, really well together. Yeah, in a work context, I think we we really curb it at first, Yeah, don't we? Yeah. I think there's an element yeah. of in the, the few places where we've been in a... The two sort of biggest shows we've done together were yeah. A Day mm-hmm. in the Death of Joe Egg, which was on the West End just before the pandemic. Yeah. And... Um, the Resistible Rise of Arturo Uy at the Donmar. Those are probably the two biggest, mm-hmm. highest profile shows that we did together. And I think with both of them, for the first couple of weeks, there's a real effort to um, be very professional, not pretend we don't know each other, but be, yeah. you know, not even almost... I'm trying to think if I would even hug you if I came into rehearsals in the morning. I probably do, well, the, but, the, you know... The rule, the rule we sort of said, because I've, I've never... I mean, I've, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have directed loads of shows and Lucy's been outside of the ones for your company you've been in mm. two of them Mm-mm. which is you know not not a heavy percentage and i'm yeah. i'm always i there, there is integrity in going i genuinely believe lucy's the perfect person for yeah. this yeah. so let's mm. put her in but even mm. even with that rule in place i think that the onus not the onus the the opportunity the responsibility to tell people that we are related i always think and i don't mean to defer that i go that's yours lucy to you can decide when you want to and yeah. if you want to tell people that um, yes, and I think there's often go, an element. That's my sister over there. We all know each other. Yeah, yeah, and also I think I certainly the first time when we did Ui, I remember being. I love the Donmar Warehouse, and I was so, you know, over the moon to be in a show there. I was very keen that people felt I deserved to be in it before mm. they knew that there was, before they could even consider that there was any nepotism at play. Yeah. So I think yeah. we were even more cautious there and almost maybe too cautious because I remember we got about three weeks into rehearsal or four weeks into rehearsal and I was sat having a coffee break and I'd sort of got to the point where I just assumed it had become common knowledge. And I remember saying something about Simon and I as kids over a tea break with like three or four people and you know their faces were just like what like and I was like they didn't know well Simon's my brother and well a few of them obviously did but for a couple of them they didn't know yet and no one was mad by any means but I could really tell that there was almost this moment of shock where you could see in their eyes they're suddenly going shit have I ever have I ever said anything bad about him (laughs) to her or which luckily Simon is the best director working in this country no bias um he's such an incredible director all jokes aside, yeah, he's such an incredible director that, you know, most actors really, really love working with him. So no one had ever had a bad word to say about him to me. Um, but you could see the fear in people's faces that they're like, oh, shit, yeah. this is a close relationship that I was not. And I and that was actually, I think, a bit of a lesson for me that was like, there's a fine line in terms of when yeah. actually mm-hmm. it is my responsibility to let people know yeah. that he's my brother. Um, so I think yeah. when we did Joe Egg, I tried a bit more maybe after one week to make sure that it came up in conversation with people. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's an odd, it's almost, yes, how do you... I think maybe after stage, 
it ain't no secret no more. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's why we did it, just for that, just to avoid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just to click, yeah. flush that problem out. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go on, you. You. So. I, I just think it's amazing that you get you get on so brilliantly. You're going to try and dig dirt. There oh, isn't I gonna really be any, want dirt. But you get on Sorry. so fantastic. You get to work together. Amazing. But so what were sort of Christmases like as kids? I have to keep going back because I want to f- just get a feel. Because there's a lot of happiness around. So what, mm. what was a typical family Christmas like? Well, Do you want to uh, go, Simon? With- yeah, and I think it, as, as a part of this, I suppose it's worth saying that when we talk about both reverting to younger versions of ourselves, we've got a really close relationship with our parents who are still both mm. with us and, and glorious. And we spend mm. quite a lot of time with them when we can. And the trip we've just been on was with them and our respective partners as well. And I think it's probably in their in their environment that it's most noticeable that we sort mm, of, been, yeah. specifically being back at the house that Lucy's in now, where we all where they have lived since I was 11. So what's that, 26 years? Mm. Um but we've got a really small extended family. My father has no uh, siblings and all our grandparents have, have, have passed on. My mother has mm-hmm. one sister and again with quite a small family there of just four. So my mum's sister and my mum alternated hosting Christmases and the others would sort of come round and we'd sort of do a big old a big old day of everybody around the table. It was fairly... I think um, are we dull Lucy are we really boring (laughs) (laughs) I think the most exciting thing on Christmas was like I used to as I'm sure so many kids did I found it so overwhelmingly exciting um even beyond the knowledge that Father Christmas I suddenly am terrified of saying that out loud on anything recorded in case a child is listening I know I know I won't finish (laughs) that sentence in case Father Christmas is ill and doesn't turn up one day I don't know (laughs) exactly yeah I always found Christmas magical so I think I used to demand to sleep in Simon's room the night before Christmas until quite a late age on like I'd almost lay a bed out on the floor because I'd be so excited I couldn't possibly be in my own room alone um, and then I would wake up early and demand that we played a game because I think our parents did that very wise thing where they were like, no waking us up until mm. nine or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. So we would sit on your bedroom floor and play tummy ache. Does anyone remember that game? No. What's that or, game? Sh- it What's tummy ache? Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it? How do you describe it's, it's, tummy ache? I don't know. You have to turn over cars and they've got a starter or a main course or a pudding on them and you've got to get a complete meal, but some of the cars have gone off food. Oh, it's... okay. So, I, yeah, yeah, okay. That was me thinking it was you playing some sort of prank. No, okay. Oh, no. Oh, no. A board game. Okay. Like, a, you know. Okay. But we oh, play right. games yeah. and then have to... And then I have to go down. I think the quite cutesy tradition was birthdays. We, for a long time, had this really weird tradition where... Um, well, first of all, we would always open our presents in our parents' bed and we would open them together. So whether it's Simon's birthday or my birthday, it's like mm. we'd both be sat there in the bed helping each other open each other's presents. And I think, was it because Simon Simon's birthday is New Year's Eve? So I think at some mm-hmm. point after I was born, my birthday's in May, Simon was given a gift on my birthday because, you know, it was unfair that yeah. he had his two yeah. things right we next to each other. So, yeah. right. Yeah. So then I started to be given a gift on his birthday. So my mum would always have to keep a Christmas gift back to give me on Simon's birthday. Um, and we would sit there in our parents' bed and open the presents. And I don't know when this tradition started, but my mum, there was some joke that all Simon was going to get was... <laughs> Simon laughing because he's like, I didn't know this story would come up. All Simon was going to get was half a rubber and a piece of string for his birthday. And so every birthday, 
my mother would diligently wrap up half a rubber and a piece of string and there'd be this whole faux play acting moment where we'd be sat there on the bed with our eyes closed and she'd go open your eyes and all that would be there would be half a rubber and a piece of string and we'd all go oh half a rubber and a piece of string how long did that go on for (laughs) too long longer than it needed to I don't know. But didn't you have the same, Sprog? Didn't you? Didn't you get? Well, I got, half yeah, a strawberry I felt left out. Half a strawberry and a grape became mine. <laughs> so every time it would be which like, and so my mum would be, which like... is so much more bougie than a rubber and a piece of string. Yeah, <laughs> and also very bizarre. Yeah. And then there would be this whole moment where my mum would go, "Okay, well that's all you're getting, but I'll just go and see if you've got any cards." And then she'd come back with presents. So and brilliant. You, oh, that, and so there yeah. was definitely no parental favoritism. Is that was there? There clearly wasn't. Oh, that's it. No, I don't. Oh, no, I don't think there was. But I've never really no, thought I, about I don't, that. I don't no. think so. There was, no. there was, there was, a, there was a thing which I suppose is not a favoritism, but in later life has become something which I've sort of had to fight, fight against slightly, which was that. Lucy, when she sort of when she emerged into the world, was was a little more high maintenance than I was, and I was and I was often rewarded for being easygoing in response to that. You know, Lucy wants to do Lucy wants to do this, and and I found that I was praised and rewarded for being for sort of going oh fine whatever doesn't that's fine. That's interesting. And 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 that that has sort of developed as we've gone on because so you're insanely submissive. Yeah, into a slightly less helpful habit, yeah. But I'm a submissive narcissist, which is really tricky. That's That's a really hard line. That's a really hard line to maintain. And it's when it's when those two things butt up against each other that Lucy goes, Are you hydrated? Are you too tired? Because I say I say I say yes to everything because I want everyone to be happy and then I insist on doing everything as well as I possibly can, which kills me. Yes. So Lucy has a lot to answer for on on that, on yes, that I think that is true. Oh, so you do it all? Okay. Um, yeah. Well, that's I, the plan. I do least. remember, well, you were very much naturally a very easygoing child. And even when you became a teenager, like your early teenage years, all seemed very low maintenance. And then I do remember I had the thing where I turned 12 or 13. And I was suddenly very moody and I wanted to speak to my friends every night on the phone until midnight. And I do remember my mum getting mad at me once and I said... I'm hormonal. And she said, <laughs> we don't have hormones in this family. Oh, wow. Um, and I remember being like, oh, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, so you just just say it again. I don't know how else to explain a podcast to a ghost. Just explain it again. Uh... You listen to it, and we talk to people we like. James Acaster. Yes. Sophie Duker. Yeah. Nish Kumar. Yes. Rosie Jones. Yes. Izzy Sutty. Yes. Darren Harrier. Yeah. There's loads. You listen to them. They tell a spooky story that they've heard about Spooktown. Some of them are horrible little liars. Yeah. It's that simple. I don't understand how you're not getting it. It's really rude. Oh, wait. Wait, wait, wait. What? Well, it's not a ghost. It's just a smudge on the mirror. Oh. I still don't really know why I didn't get it, but... <sighs> I thought you explained it really well, Ed. Thank you, guys. Welcome to Spooktown. Hey, it's wherever you get your podcasts. No one's judging. Wherever you get your podcasts, you bloody listen. If you want. So you were, let's use the word trickier, a little trickier, mm, Simon. Mm. Yes? Mm. And yes. Obviously, yes, okay. So you were rebellious. You Did you have a rebellious phase? I think rebellious 
is doing me far too much credit. Like I am the least rebellious. Like I hate being told off. (laughs) I was a real good girl. Like I was, I was terrified of being told off. I was quite a high achiever at school and I quite liked that everyone thought I was very good. Your parents were, um, it was a very close, happy family, obviously, but were they Mm. strict with you? They didn't need to be strict with you guys. Because you were both... No, they were strict with us. They were strict with us. I think, But I think the nice thing is that yeah. it was always... There was always a very obvious sense that the strictness was for us to have all possible opportunities later in life. Right. It was never like... Yeah. There was definitely an, a pressure academically. It was very mm-hmm. much like, you know, we would have been rewarded for A's and A stars at GCSEs and nothing less. But it was all very much, it was never, I do a lot of tutoring now on the side of my acting and producing, or I don't do as much anymore, but I've done a lot in the last 10 years. And, you know, you see a lot of parents where they want the kids to go to the good school and have all the A stars because they want to have the children who've got the A stars and went to the good Mm. school. And I feel very lucky that I was very aware growing up that it was all because our parents just, they wanted us to, to be able to pick what we wanted to do when we got yeah. older. Mm. You know, it was yeah. always like, if you don't work hard now and get the best thing you can possibly get, then you are limited in what you can choose to do. Mm. And, you know, when we both said, you know, we both, I mean, we've both gone into the arts, which is a stupid thing to do. And bless <sighs> them, they've absolutely supported that. You know, and when we first, as kids, will have started saying, oh, actually, I think I want to be an actor or I want to be a director. They were never anti that they were just like fine like get a great education first get the highest grades you can get go to the best university you can and then whatever you want to do we will emotionally support that you know so Mm. I think that was helpful but you both have a very strong work ethic and I think that's Mm. that you can clearly see that and I think that's what you get from that kind of upbringing so yeah yeah definitely yeah especially especially in this industry I think which is which is a it's a really tough one and it and it 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 sort of has this fallacy at the heart of it which is that someone could just recognize you on the street and catapult you to to stardom or that or that you could direct a play with some sort of genius vision and suddenly everyone will go well you're the new tarantino paul thomas anderson pick your pick your person and we'll sort of escalate you so quickly and it's Mm. although there are those stories they're very rare and more often the person who has that experience has been working tirelessly up until that moment where you notice who they were and the rest of us mm. are just absolutely slogging it out grafting and just keeping going and it's been it's been so interesting this year to in just in my circle the numbers of people who've left this industry because yeah, they sort of yeah. had some distance from it for a time and have put their heads above the parapet and gone does this bring me any joy anymore right. and it's right. it's it's dangerous because it does it does say to you exactly as as lucy says it goes you have to work hard, you know, would you want to leave this industry not feeling like you've given it your best? And it demands that of you and says, come and come and do this. So a, a healthy work. But you're not necessarily healthy. rewarded for your hard And at the work. same time, certainly, mm. yeah, but certainly for me as well, there's been places where that's been unhealthy as well, because the sense of, yeah, that, that sense of high grades and achievement that our parents did instill in us, which has been such a motor behind us both, mm-hmm. I think, is also... Mm a completely nebulous concept in this industry that the, mm. the idea of achievement is something which nobody quite, you know, you're so busy trying to get to that room that you don't know what room you're standing in. And, you know, mm. you, you're so busy trying, you, you, you don't get those things. So I think, I think you're right that, that to be given that, to be given that core is invaluable. And at the same time, 
saying to other people who are trying to come up through it, know what you're trying to achieve. And when you get there, give yourself a huge pat on the back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then the hard thing in this industry is that even when you have the great work ethic, I think one of the hard things is when you're at school, you know, if I think back to my academic achievements, it's like I knew that if I put the hours in, I got the good grade and mm. it was A plus B one plus one equals two, yeah. A plus B equals A B. <laughs> yeah. I've just been reading Giles um Terrera's book about Hamilton and he says at one point A plus B equals a B as in Aaron Burr so that's in my head ah, and it's an amazing book and everyone should read it I'm loving it um, is it okay it is amazing and in fact and in fact the Arturo Ui that Lucy was mentioning before Giles Torreira was in that yeah and and he, we and he sung excited. a version of Bad Moon Rising we, we used contemporary songs reimagined in sort of 1930s 40s ways mm-hmm. at various yeah. points and Giles Torreira sung Bad Moon Rising at the end of the first half it sort of yeah and, and the most a, amazing a, a, a thing brilliant composer called Ed Lewis did a version of it for us and Lucy played piano for it and the first time oh. we saw that in rehearsals, we just went, everybody, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone the, the was just jaw went, on the that, floor. That person. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's an extraordinary human. That guy can um, sing. But, but to, the, to, the, to the work ethic point, because yep. it, was a, it was an interesting thing with, with Lucy as well, because I, I think throughout my, throughout my life, slightly more than Lucy, though correct me if I'm wrong, Sprog, I, I've mm. been a bit more entrepreneurial. I've sort of gone, if... If this place isn't giving me what I want to do, I can try to make that opportunity happen for myself. And before I was a director, I was a magician. And I put magic mm-hmm. shows on at school and I ran a casino at my school as well, Come just on. to sort of just because people because I thought that'd be a fun way to I, I needed to raise money to do a magic show and I so I yeah. so I hosted a casino night at the school to raise That's money to put amazing. on a magic show. And then when I so when I came to Cambridge ultimately, it was with a sort of sense of if people aren't going to I mean at the risk of at the risk of being controversial it, it's not it's it is for all the right reasons not a good time to be a white straight you know mm. middle mm-hmm. middle middle aged middle aged director but when I was coming mm. up in London that was starting to be the case already that that, that yeah. every, everyone was looking to do all the wonderful work they're doing now as well so it, mm. it came to be that not everyone was opening their doors to certainly for a Cambridge grad I was all the I was all the things which yeah, 30 years ago yeah. two thumbs up yeah. Um, now and again it's it's I'm, i've no qualms with it but at that point it was well if this is going to happen i've got to make it happen for myself i've got to put on the shows myself i've got to knock on the doors i've got to, i can't wait for somebody to invite me to do this and i remember lucy coming to london and being quite frustrated to begin with and me well, sort of yeah. going well you've you've got to do it yourself which sort of led yeah. to forming these amazing companies which lucy's got yeah and I'm it not did take I'm me a while for that, but it was no but <laughs> yeah. you are part you are responsible for it but I, the one thing i'd argue with is interesting the notion that throughout all our lives you were more entrepreneurial because I think I'd learned it from you, but I did a lot of mimicking Simon, you know, because I, because we were so close and I idolized my older brother as a child. It was like anything Simon did, I wanted to try as well. I was like, oh, maybe I could do that. Um, even the magicianing, I mean, there was a point when you were going to train me up oh. as like the world's greatest, fabulous lady <laughs> magician. Um, because I remember you saying like, you just don't get female magicians. Like you would make a killing. They, they just don't, you know, they're so few and far between. So come on, let's train you up. And I just didn't. So you didn't cut I her didn't up or it. do her, have her as an assistant? No. No. No, no I don't think you no. did. But, no, no. But you didn't but th- love it, Lucy. You gave it a go. And it I gave it a go and I didn't love it. But a lot of the other things that Simon did, you know, I did really copy. And I was the same as him. Like at school, I remember organising charity concerts and putting on plays when my school was sort of really not into the kids doing different things. And it was a day school and they very much had that mentality of like, well, the teachers have to go at the end of the day. So if you want to do something yourself, then who's going to supervise you? So there's no one. So no, you can't, you know. And I really 
looked at what Simon was doing at a much more free and supportive um, mm. school, actually. And I was like, no, screw you. I'm going to find Will rehearse just in that random public park and we'll, you know. Did yeah. So I did it a lot. And I remember I took a play to Edinburgh when I was 18. Um, that was the first time I, in inverted commas, produced something. And so I think I had it really in me to do that. And then I, I went to university, took another play to Edinburgh during my time at university, um, and then went to Lambda. And I think I came out, and I know drama schools really try to do the opposite, to instill the opposite thing in you. But I definitely came out being like, where are my jobs then? You know, mm -hmm. I really didn't come out of Lambda thinking, I'm now going to have to, all that stuff I used to do, I'm going to have to do that now. I came out thinking, okay, so when, when are you going to give me a part um, in Downton? And like, when are you going to, when am I going to be at the National? Um, yeah. And that time that Simon was talking about where I was frustrated, absolutely. Like I went through a really, as so many actors do, a really dark patch of like the moment of realization that things aren't going to land in my lap, that I am not, mm -mm. people aren't seeing me and thinking, oh my God, she's the greatest thing I've ever seen and I must give her this role, mm. you know? So yeah. I think thanks to Simon pushing me in the end, and actually also thanks to, you know, it's a bit cliche, but that whole, you know, the dark, the darkness before the light, whatever the thing, I want to say the calm before the storm, that's totally the wrong phrase. But you know, you have to have a big dip before you really totally. pull yourself up. And totally. I definitely had that dip about two years after, two or three years after drama school. And then I was at a Hindu and um, a girl I'd known from university um, called Melanie Fulbrook, who is incredible, brilliant actress herself and beautiful singer. She had recently graduated from Guildhall and we were bonding over getting pissed at this Hindu. And she said, I'm already sick of the waiting. You know, she'd been out only six months or something. And she was like, this is bullshit. This, like, you know, mm. so I'd like to start a theatre company. And I don't want to do it with one of my best friends because I think that will be, it'll be hard to be sort of diligent and professional with them. Mm. Um, but, you know, I like you. You like me. We're, I think you're good. You think I'm good. You know, should we do it? And... Honestly, it was sort of Simon's voice in the back of my head and then that conversation with Mel that sprung board, sprung board? springboarded um, mm. me into the next phase of my life, which has been almost far more driven by producing and almost yeah. acting in between when I can. Um, but yeah. and acting sometimes in the shows that I produce, but generally like I feel like my whole world revolved more about making it myself and certainly in this industry you feel so much better when you're making yeah. it yourself you have totally, such yeah. a better totally. sense of self-worth mm. because you know when you're certainly when you're an actor and I know Simon feels it as a director as well but certainly when you're an actor you are the smallest most insignificant cog in the machine mm. you know and mm. I, we look at actors because actors become such huge celebrities you think they have so much power but you're like, you have no power as an actor because mm. the industry is so oversubscribed and there's just too many of us, you know? So it's no one's fault, but you inherently feel like a little piece of shit on someone's shoe because you're so dispensable. So the minute you start making stuff, you just ramp up into a level where there's far fewer people because it is yeah. amazing how so few people yeah. actually make that leap into Totally. Yeah. Creating, they talk about writing. Doing. They talk they about doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like everybody yeah. talks about writing a book. They don't. Yeah. Can I ask? There won't be, but I am going to dig for some shit. Um, <laughs> is there anything you envy about the other? Is there anything you wish you had from the other? Oh, 
I I I I envy Lucy's Lucy's a a, a warmer a warmer person than I am, by 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 quite a margin. I think people people gravitate to her in ways that that. But do you wish you had that? Uh, yeah, I do, I do. I I I mean, I I I I use my curmudgeonness tactically at times. Exactly, that's why I would um, say you wouldn't want that. But 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 it, it but it is it is something that I see in her whenever I'm sort of around her and her friends, and certainly when I mean the, the lovely thing from my point of view to go back to that story about when Lucy will say she's my sister in a rehearsal process is that it will only ever reflect well on me. It will I I am mm. immune in that situation because everyone yeah. loves her. So everyone yeah, comes up yeah. to me and goes, I didn't know, isn't she lovely? I'm like, yeah, no, oh, she is. It's great. Yeah, no, that's not it's reflected great. glory. So that's, it's brilliant. Exactly. It's, it's so it's the best so much. In fact, if I could have more siblings to do that, then I could just sit at home and just always doing its doing its job. I think that's the I think that's the that's the only thing I think I envy of. I feel like I you, you bought a nice house. I love that. <laughs> oh. I feel like I envy the um, I envy your skill again. I don't know whether you know there's other skills I'm trying to harness, but I envy your skill as a director and in the way in which you can manage people because I think he does it so cleverly and with such Mm. like intelligence and grace and calm like he has a very and I you know I have tried to direct I cannot do it I am very bad at it um but I envy a skill but other than that I don't think there is sorry there is there is a shame though that when I use those methods on Lucy now oh yes you're, you're it's like having thing. a therapist don't parent do... yeah 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 <laughs> I'm always like I know what you're doing I'm on to you I know this game Yes, Don't there was one instance like, we were doing. It was when Simon directed for my um, for my production company, Go People. We did a version of A Midsummer Night's Dream with Freddie Fox and Maddie Hill. It was like dream done with only seven actors. And it was sort of not even dream anymore, was it? It was like a whole wonderful thing of itself. Um, and I remember this moment when and I was playing Helena and Simon was trying to get me to do something and I could just see right through it. And I was like, just just tell me that what I'm currently doing is wrong. Because then I'll tr- I'll trust you and I'll just stop doing it. And he's like, but it's not wrong. He's trying to do the thing where he makes it my idea. You know, he's like, it's not wrong what you're doing. <laughs> I just think, and I was like, honestly, I can see what just, I just need you to tell me not to do it. And eventually I think you did just go, don't do it. It's not serving the story. And I was like, okay, thank Don't you. do it. It's wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I think you've just, uh, you know, I there's nothing to envy because there's, I think the dynamic I think the dynamic is perfect. You know, and I often think, yeah. I remember talking to someone once, um, at a like book launch about um, parental influence and you know just how much therapy you know talks about your parents and we both started saying isn't it interesting that they don't focus so much on siblings because a sibling that's what is right, almost just as say. big right and I Bigger. remember saying Bigger. yeah we, yeah we, yeah go on we 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 interviewed David Badil and his brother Ivor the other day and exactly mm. that he was saying I'm so fascinated why do we not talk about siblings because certainly mm. his parents were very their parents were very absent right. so there's very few psychological oh, studies in the impact on yeah. siblings it's all about the parental yeah. influence yeah. but, yeah. but we're even saying you know in a dysfunctional family in a wonderful fact you know all the different scenarios the siblings are so important yeah, oh totally. I absolutely think like yeah. you know because Simon was such a doting and understanding and loving mm. big brother if you think about what that will have done for my development even just in those first yes. like five years that I had this person that always I was like that person looks after me that person makes me feel great about myself they keep me entertained they stimulate me mentally that you know I just think 
you know, I often do feel almost a bit guilty that I'm like, I feel like I benefited enormously from Simon as a child. Mm. And now it's my job as an adult to like reward that where Simon gave all the love and attention and affection and help and support. Sometimes yeah. I feel like Simon might have, you might have drained your little cup, you know, as a child mm. in giving to me. And now that we're adults, you know, when you talk about that thing about mater not even maternal, but you know, the support now, I sometimes feel like, okay, well, I've got this full cup now because you gave it to me yes, when I was a so child. So now back. I can, yeah. you know, yeah. drip feed it back to so you. So who's happier? Adults. Who's who's happier? Oh. <laughs> I think I am a more, generally a more happy person. Is that fair? Yes. Yeah, I think, I think I, so. I think you are more prone to having a little grey cloud above your head. Yes, that's that's certainly true. And I, um, and I think, but I think it's interesting that you asked that question. So I, I, I think I was one of the many people before lockdown who would have, would have told you absolutely that I was delighted, that I was having hmm. a great, great time hmm. all the way, all the way through it in, in this industry and in life and all the rest of it. Single, exhausted, hmm. drinking too much, eating badly. Yeah late yeah. nights all of that I would absolutely have gone I am having a, I'm doing the job I always wanted and I'm having yeah. a ball mm, um, yeah. and then some some point in lockdown I went oh god I'm not that's mm. not bringing me any joy anymore so if you'd asked me then I'd have gone no I'm absolutely miserable but now here yeah. with 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 Helen and and mm. and what's happened this year which has been considering yeah. what it's been for so many people yeah. it seems in bad taste but it's it's been a life-changing year yeah. for, mm. for me and so yeah there's there's less of the clouds but mm. but also I think I've I've been <laughs> I've been bruised by the industry and by things a bit more than I mean again and by romance and things like that. Not that I'm uh, not that I'm not that I'm assuming that that will happen again. Now I feel very very happy and confident. <laughs> but I feel like while I might not be as happy as Lucy, I'm probably I'm probably pretty realistic, and yes. and I find that quite I I quite like that. I don't. I don't mind if I have a couple of days when I'm a bit down, really. That's how, yeah, I agree. Yeah, you sort of go totally through and go. Agree. And in fact, there are, there are times, this is not dirt, there are times where Lucy's indefatigable joy is, can be wearing. Oh, <laughs> yes! There you go. You can take it. That's it. That's it. You can take, as dirt, as dirt, you can take that Lucy is sometimes too happy. Yeah. That's, oh, my <laughs> God. That's the perfect place to end. I know. Well, no, because we do have well, to ask you. Is there anything? Oh, what can I say? Because you you've said loads. So <laughs> Sorry. It's my turn. Is there, any, no. is there anything you'd like to say to each other that you've never said before? So, Simon, is there anything oh. you'd like to say to Lucy that you've never said before? Oh God, I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that there is. I mean, we're sort of best friends. We sort of talk all the time. Um, it's such, a, it's such a lovely invitation, but I don't know that there is. I don't yeah, know but I think it's anything. lovely because you, it's all it's been said. That, That's yeah. the point. Mm. There isn't really anything because you're really close, and I'm really mm. jealous. So we. <laughs> Lucy, is that? There's nothing you want to say, is there? No, you've said it all. No, love you, bro. Oh, I love you too. Yeah, Aww. but you say that regularly, Aww. don't you? Yes, yes, yeah, quite a lot. Oh, yes. Brilliant Aww. snooze. Brilliant. <laughs> this has been a Little Wonder production. Logo artwork from Kathy Mason. Voice from Melanie Walters. Music from Rodri Viney. With special thanks to Beth Forrest, Steve Pickup, Sam Roberts, Henry Whittacombe, and Joe Williams. 
Other podcasts from Little Wandering include Here to Church and Welcome to Spooktown. Subscribe now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sprog, you were really dull on that. You were really boring, Lucy. Yeah, you were boring and horrible. Yeah. And I never want to speak to you again. And I promise, uh, yeah, I did want to Um, tell them about the guy you knocked over and buried in the garden, but I thought (laughs) I wouldn't. Well, we didn't talk about the Epsom salt scandal. Oh, no. (laughs) Plenty Um, of other things. I'm Kiri Pritchard-McLean and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Who Are You Wearing?, where I talk to gorgeous people about how and why they wear the clothes they do. Tell me what you're wearing right now. <laughs> a big orange jumper. A pair of dungarees. A button-down shirt. And I'm also wearing a back support because I'm 35. A black shirt with gold leopard skin shoulders on it. And a Fitbit. It just buzzed at me saying, get up and walk <laughs> around, please. A plain black hoodie. Just a black hoodie. And this beautiful black hooded top. <laughs> a colourful headscarf, colourful earrings. A pair of socks with Liam Gallagher on. A pink suit and a tie that I actually wore for my wedding. And my slippers, because obviously, you know, we're working from home, aren't we? <laughs> but the slippers, they are pink and fluffy, so, you know, I think we can get away with that. <laughs> so, subscribe to this new weekly podcast and get ready to listen, laugh and cry as I ask people who you're wearing. <laughs>